This episode is sponsored by Book Riot's Read Harder Journal. Created by us, this smartly designed, if we do say so ourselves, reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, your impressions of a book, and reviews of every book you read this year. Evenly interspersed among those entry pages are 12 challenges that are inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative. It's not connected to any particular year, though. To encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd, read a book about books, get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Every challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations from us at Book Riot that help you fulfill the challenge. Get your copy at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. That's bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 294, recording on not Thursday, January 3rd. Today is Sunday, January 6th. We had a delay. Jeff O'Neill, here's Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. First show of the year. Hello. It's 7.17 uh, a.m. here in Portland, Oregon, yes. so I'm a little, uh, <laughs> I don't know, off kilter, out of sorts. My fuzzles my, uh, are all bummed. They're still fuzzled. Know. My coffee well, is working. No, no. Are you, is so your fuzzle bummed? Is your bum fuzzled? I'm it's bum sure. fuzzled. You're bum fuzzled. But I, or befuddled? I don't know. Yeah. Well, befuddled is real. Bum fuzzled, I want to be real too. Yeah, that's, that's true. We've had a couple weeks off, mm-hmm. which we don't typically get from this show. That was no. nice. And even still, it's a light agenda. So it'll be, it'll be a fastball today, high and tight uh, a little bit with, uh, with the show this week. Um, I, I was. We were just talking about New Year's resolutions as a staff, uh, and in the pre-show, we were talking about some stuff. Well, mostly I'm doing the new year. If you want to shoot us an email, I'd love to hear your New Year's resolutions. It's really fascinating about resolutions, um, as you may expect. I know because you guys are there. Listen to me. As I was thinking about any New Year's resolutions or change of behavior, I started reading about New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. I'm sorry. It's. I'm. I'm surprised that Charles Duhigg doesn't have like a big like promo around the first of the year. For the for power the of habit, yeah, yeah, the back just like that. It's it's really about habits, is what people are talking mm-hmm. about. If you've got a resolution of any kind, I'd sure like to hear about it. Podcast at bookwrite.com. Yeah, you know, Vox did an interesting breakdown this week that we can find the link mm. for the show notes of um, habit changing apps and like, mm. do they work and which ones work and if they work, why and how do they work and like, spoiler alert, like most things, whether they work depends on if you yep. use them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but it was really interesting. I don't do resolutions anymore, but I do, um, I don't even know if you would call it like an intention, but a couple of years ago, one of my girlfriends was telling me that she does a thing where she sets a word for the year. And this seems to be a thing now, like the, my mm. internet is at least filled with people who are like, this is my word for the year that you use to kind of guide your thinking and your choices for the year. And so, um, my word this year is arrive and it's, uh, in a concrete sense about like how I start my days mostly like how do I arrive mm. in the world um, so like taking make, making sure to get outside every morning like taking a walk meditating um, and then there are some more I guess existential things about like being present how do I arrive in the moments of my life um, but if you do that kind of thing I'd like to hear about that as well you can share your words or your intentions for the year with us um, I was reading this week like a resolution is a thing you're trying to fix mm. but it doesn't sound like yours really are Jeff and an Intention is hmm. the thing you're trying to create. 
Um, so wow, okay. I have, to th- I have to ponder that one. Let me make a spreadsheet about the differences between. <laughs> or like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, I have one late entry to the favorite things of 2018 show. Oh, okay. Show. You got, there's something happened before the stroke of midnight. It, yes, it did. It happened on Christmas. So it still, it counted as a mm-hmm. thing that wasn't a book that I love from 2018. I got a Roomba. Ah. And, if, and if I had gotten that before we recorded things that aren't books that we loved this year, it would have, it would have made it. Um, his name is Raphael. And... I run him almost every day, and it is wonderful when you're a person who is not a great housekeeper to have a robot do your vacuuming. Well, and a dog. The people I know that like the Roombas yes. the best have dogs. Yep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> every dog should come with a Roomba. <laughs> that is 100%. <laughs> Chicken in every pot, Roomba for every dog. It's a new, de- new square deal. It's the new puppy package. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got a weird question for you, actually, uh-huh. related to pets. <laughs> what is do you this know a store be? called Mud Bay? Have you mud, heard of this? Mud, mud bay? bay. Okay, that's all I needed to know. No. It's a it's a pet uh a dedicated pet supply store. Oh. And over the last like I want to say three months, but because I'm in Jeff Dad time, it could be the last six years, but I think of it as three months because time <laughs> has no meaning. Mm-hmm. They've opened like a thousand stores in Portland. And a thousand, I mean just a handful, but they're really big and really fancy. I'm like, what is going on? You know how it happens every now and again while well, suddenly a retail store will just explode yeah. out of nowhere. And some of them stick and most of them fade, but I was like I thought the internet killed pet supplies, but anyway, I, if it had made it down to Richmond, or I, if it's a national phenomenon, podcast at bookwright.com, if you've heard of Mud Bay, please let me know. Um, and I was trying to look up stuff about them on the internet, because like, what is going on here? Can't find much. Anyway, I, I don't know huh. if it's a front for Ukrainian um, book launderers, you know, oh. that buy books on the internet and uh, launder money through them. I, I don't know I have Googled it. It's Pacific Northwest only. Okay. Well, your Google is working better than mine. Um <laughs> mudbay.com yeah anyway okay that's all that's all i wanted to know <laughs> also we didn't i don't know if we did it this year i always look forward to it and i, I don't remember if we asked or didn't because we didn't really do a dedicated our favorite books of the year section mm, mm-hmm. um if i'd sure like to know your li- listeners what your favorite book you read in 2018 was podcast at bookwriter.com you don't have to say anything more than that if you don't want to but i always find this super fascinating and i'm putting together you know my list of potential things i might read in 2018 um so there's that. All right. The Great Courses Plus. I don't know if this would be a resolution or a intentionality or a, a downward-facing dog. I don't know what any <laughs> of these words mean. But if you want to learn stuff, we might suggest The Great Courses Plus. So reading can open up new people, places, ideas. With Great Courses Plus, you get access to that and so much more. This is an online streaming service that lets you learn about almost anything like Shakespeare, ancient history, human behavior, photography, and so much more. You can get unlimited access to thousands of lectures on these and more topics presented by experts who are not only knowledgeable, but also passionate about their subjects. You can watch or listen wherever you are, whenever you want. Their videos also can listen to the lectures as sort of a quasi-podcast audio experience. You don't have a good word for audio-only internet content these days. Uh, That's not music. Anyway, Great Course Plus is a wonderful course we've enjoyed called Five Lessons from the Great Book. It offers a fascinating exploration to how the greatest literary masterpieces change us as we age, how differently come to view the themes and characters of Animal Farm, Hamlet, Elie Wiesel's Night, and others, depending on our stage in life. This is unequivocally true. I read Hamlet, the first time I read Hamlet, I was 14. I read it again when I was 21. I read it again when I had to take a Shakespeare class in college. I read it again when I had to teach it. And I read it again not too um, uh, long ago. 
And boy, does it change over time. Hamlet's one where it's a cliche, it's great, but God dang it, is it the best? It really is the best. <laughs> it's unbelievably good and fascinating. I kind of can't believe it exists, but you can hear how that kind of you know get, approach things. Also, maybe get some reading recommendations for books that you can make books as part of your life that you read over time at different places in your life. They're offering a limited free trial to our listeners, The Great Courses Plus is. You go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash bookriot. That's The Great Courses Plus plus The Great Courses Plus dot com slash book riot start your free trial now thanks to them for their continued sponsorship of our show okay well all right it's a light week unexpectedly even with two weeks under the belt um the holidays were just kind of quiet for the book world we we've got we we can kind of touch some uh we can go to the wells of some of our ongoing favorite stories (laughs) and things to kill a mockingbird uh is become the most let's see Full week performance record, box office record, $1.7 million in its second full week of performances. Uh, that makes it the single highest grossing week for an American play in Broadway histories. Um, so uh, I guess there's a lot of caveats there. Single week, American play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Wicked does $1.7 million by intermission on Mondays. I'm not sure. But well, Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, oh, Hamil- right, Hamilton. Um, but still, interesting, on the play front, it's the last, the one that uh, just edged out was Brian Cranston's All the Way in 2014. Um, also, that it was the week of December 30th when a lot of people are, I don't know, is it a particular high time for Broadway? I don't know. I have no idea. But I'd be curious to hear. So, there you go. That's... Is that does that mean anything? Is it, are you surprised? Are you not surprised? It's Jeff Bridges. It's Harper Lee. It's Sorkin. It got all this free it's, free publicity yeah, about. It's what a it's perfect gonna, storm. Yeah, they were going to make uh, Atticus Finch a, a left-handed communist or whatever that, you know Sorkin <laughs> did. I still haven't done much in the way of like, I you know what I think? I think I have it back in my mind. I'm going to see this play at some point. I don't I, know how. Yeah, but I, I have that in the back of my mind. I have that in the back of my mind, too. I realized kind of the same thing when I was putting this story on the agenda of like, I keep halfway meaning to maybe go a little further into the Google machine about like, how is the how is this play different from the book? What has Sorkin done with it? Maybe I want to read some reviews. And then I keep on not doing that. And I was like, why am I not? actually looking for this right. information. And I think it's because I don't want to spoil myself. Like yep. somewhere I have the idea that I'm going to go see this and find out what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it shows you like, I'm so used to, uh, if I ever follow news like this, following movie news, broad live theater as a major endeavor is a weird business proposition. Mm-hmm. It's in, in this day and age, like we work in digital media, blah, blah, blah. And we take for granted that you can, you know, as many people as want to download this podcast. If tomorrow, right. you know, 2 million people wanted to download it, they could. It's not a supply problem. But Broadway, and I remember thinking about Hamilton, talking to our, uh, my friend Jeremy, who's in this business, about how strange it is that you can't, it's like the one medium where you cannot meet demand all overnight if there's a huge, like I guess mm-hmm. concerts, but even a concert 50,000 people can go see Taylor Swift in a whatever, a football stadium. Can't do it with a play. There's just, there's no equivalent. Yeah, right. There's no, you're right. There's no live performance, like live theater version yeah. of like, you know, Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because plays don't work in a way. I mean, I don't know if it's ever been tried, but like To Kill a Mockingbird in Madison Square Garden, I don't even know what that would look like. That sounds like an yeah. annotated episode if someone, if, 
You, I, I, it, it sounds like experiment. I, yeah, I'm sure like uh, Neil Simon had uh, tried something at Madison Square Garden in the 70s when theater was king. But, you know, you can't get a t- that you can't get a ticket in Hamilton. You couldn't get a ticket for for for, love for a or, long for, time for love or money there for a while. Um, and then they eventually they start touring. They kind of become in the in the atmosphere. But um, interesting to see. I don't know if anyone out there has has seen this. I'm guessing tickets are are pretty pricey uh, at this point, too. So anyway, Harry Potter, the Cursed Child, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best ever numbers for any play or performance in Broadway history with a scathing, scintillating, sensational $2.5 million <sighs> American dollars. Oh, boy. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Only other To Kill a Mockingbird related piece of news is um, we had been, I think we thought that To Kill a Mockingbird, that the play was going to get performed in court. Yep. Um, and it turns out via some news that I think one of our insiders shared on Slack. I've lost the link since then. That's not actually what happened, apparently. Like, it didn't go that far of having to perform the play in the court for the court to make the decision that Sorkin was allowed to carry on with this in the battle that was brought by the Lee estate. So I am honestly a little bit sad that that bubble has been burst for me because I loved the idea of To Kill a Mockingbird getting performed. Like like we were saying, you know, it's just this play that's set in court getting performed in court like how does it all work uh, and i'm a little bit bummed that that didn't actually happen but since you know we're here to talk about the news and things that did occur well, we can set that record straight you're, you're a one-time psychologist what's the thing where you repress memories because they're so painful that's what i need to happen for that there was not a performance of a play in a courtroom <laughs> I, I don't can Just, i do that like the, can i eternal sunshine of the spotless mind that i i need it to be the case that it's possible that that happened. Yes. Well, you know, repressed memories are um, most likely not a thing, but if they were a thing, they would be just be called repressed memories. Uh, so you're saying I can't even repress the memory that repressed memories aren't a thing. This is all going <laughs> downhill so fast. I don't like it. <laughs> we're six days into the year. You uh, know, we, we might as well. <laughs> just yeah. Just own up. To the give fact. ourselves over to it. Yeah. Uh, again, ongoing things we're interested in. Obama's 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you'd call this, his uh, year in review, his yeah. cultural, cultural products of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot to say about this, I realized when I was looking at it. But do, why don't you lead off? What, what, what do you want to say about this? You know, he does. I, I just appreciate that it's these his lists are what we've said, like they tend to be they're safe in a way, you know, like Uh I'm sure that there's some vetting. I don't think that um, by any stretch, every book that Obama read or enjoyed makes it onto these. Um, But there are, I think there's always a really nice variety of choices among the, among the books. But this year uh, he also listed favorite movies and favorite songs of the year. I can't remember if he's done non-book media in past years. Um, Of course, his wife, Michelle Obama, becoming her book was um, at the top of uh, the list. An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Um, uh, Educated by Tara Westover mm. is on here, which everyone loved. Uh, Factfulness by Hans Rosling, which is that book that Bill Gates was giving a copy to. Uh, um, to every... read, I'm going to have to read that. I think we're going to have to, Jeff. Like, we're going to have to both give in and read uh. that so that we know. Uh, he read Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe in 2018 he read the world as it is by ben rhodes which is the one obama staffer memoir that i haven't gotten to yet Mm. but i've heard that it's wonderful um then and those were so it's broken into like books he's already mentioned on facebook this year and then other favorite books of 2018 that hadn't been 
brought up um, Florida by Lauren Groff. I was mm. so, so happy to see that there. I just like knowing that Barack Obama is aware <laughs> of Lauren Groff and of how good that book is. Um, I can't really speak to the movie list. I did not see a lot of movies this year. I did see Eighth Grade, and that was... Did you see that? I feel like... I actually got it on Netflix yesterday. I'm I'm sorry. I'm one of the few people that still gets DVDs on Netflix. I know. <laughs> well, I think that... Um, I think it was really wonderful. Yeah, about, I heard great yeah, things about it. And about, you know, what the experience of being a teenager is now with social media. And it felt very true and real. And like, uh, to me, was a very grounding reminder of like the parts of adolescence that are per- that are just like universal, no matter mm-hmm. which time you grow up in. I think as a, a dad of a daughter, it'll be really interesting to hear mm. your take on it. Um, and the music stuff, I always love Obama's musical Mm -hmm. selections. There was a list on Spotify a few years ago um, of his favorites, and I still listen to that. But I was happy to see that um, tracks from my two favorite albums of the year also made it to Obama. There's Bad Bad News by Leon Bridges and Make Me Feel by Janelle Monae showed up. Nina Cried Power by Hozier. I love that track. Um, There's just, there's so much variety. Like this is the thing that I always have appreciated about Obama's reading lists is that even though we know that they are safe, vetted choices, they display and remind of a real curiosity and interest in the world, like a real kind of polymath of a guy. Yeah, interesting. Um, Um, I mean, Apparently I have thoughts about that too. Well, I... (laughs) Again, now I'm into the process of the story as much mm, as what's on uh-huh. the list. Yeah. Um, in this day and age, for Obama to post this to Facebook is super interesting. Mm. Right? Do you hear I'm going with this? Like yes. with all the... Look, we all knew, I think, that Facebook was terrible. I think 2018, a lot of people showed their behinds a little bit. Facebook shoulders, it's, it's behind, it's shoulders, it's haunches, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And I just feel like, listen, I can think of a website that'd be interested in running Barack Obama's 10 favorite books. I mean, <laughs> one comes to mind. Why Facebook? Of all, I mean, it, Twitter, any, anywhere besides Facebook to put this. Anyway, that's a medium. I, yeah. I just can't. I know a lot of people are on Facebook, but it's like, come on. Just come on. I have, I have I, issues. You, I got issues with that. I, hmm. I mean, I also have a lot of issues with Facebook, mm-hmm. but we've accepted, you know, in our working life, the, at least up until this moment, continuing essentialness of Facebook. Like it continues to be a given in media that you have to be there. Yeah, well, to, he's not, reach... there's no ads on this. He's not making his, he's not making payroll because he needs digital. Ad. I mean, he could put this in you. He could I, maybe, I just, but did don't they you, think about you, it? Did they think about it at all? I guess is my question. Uh, that's did they, an interesting. Do they yeah, say, or, you know, wait, right. do we want to support this? Is this mm-hmm. something we want to do? Does Barack Obama's page? I mean, is he getting data off me that I'm on the thing? I mean, I don't know. I'm just super fascinated. That is an interesting question. Yeah. The other thing that's notable about it is it's just a list. Of, it's a text document. That's true. A, there's nothing to it. I mean, you could put this anywhere. I, you know, I'm sure that he's got a staff that could put together squarespace.com slash book, right? Get a free account over there, Obama people. You can go get, you know, 20% off your first order. That that's fascinating. There's also not a word written about any of the, the yeah. Picks. There and there hardly ever is. Yeah, 
like there's hardly ever analysis um when he when he shares these things yeah so i i think that's that that meta process stuff i found as interesting as the list themselves again mm-hmm. I'm, i love that he does it it is you know the comments um we saw i think when someone posted in our insider slack or this editorial slack which is like just knowing that he does this is just a further sort of a heartbreaking yeah. truth because like Look, the guy that's in the White House now, does he, has he seen one movie? Forget about the books. I'm, I don't even have any. <laughs> yeah, let, that's, that ship has sailed. Has he seen a full movie, a feature-length motion picture, listened to an album of any kind? Uh, well, there's so, that. Yeah, it's that like fundamental curiosity and yeah. interest. And all of these things, books and movies and music, take you outside yourself and they're about experiencing something else. Um, I do miss that. The very When I looked at this the first time, actually it still is, the very first yeah. comment on Facebook from this is someone saying, I miss having a president who can read and it has mm-hmm. 23,000 likes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I have... I think I have come to accept that like this is what these lists are going to be, right? Like there I want there to be a paragraph about every one of these things and like why on the Leon Bridges album is Bad Bad News his favorite track. You know, like tell me what you liked about Factfulness since I'm going to have to give up and read it anyway. Yeah. I wish. Like I'm still going to forever hold out hope for the Barack Obama Marilyn Robinson reading podcast. Like oh. then we can just quit, Jeff. Like we'll have like we can quit, you know, like Barack Obama and Marilyn Robinson start a book podcast. We will have been disrupted and I will be fine with it. Um, you, you can't see what I just did as I made that that primal <laughs> grunt as I literally put my head between my knees because I was going to pass out. It's such a beautiful dream. The I other would... thing that I would thought about this is we need to get Obama hooked up with Bill Gates's personal yes, production yes, studio. yes. I don't see why we can't have nice things. I don't see why that can't happen. It's the Barack Obama, Bill Gates version of like comedians in cars getting coffee, but it's like nerds in cars talking about books. Barack and the billionaire broing over books. (laughs) Book bros. Print it. You can take it. That one's for free because I know Bill Gates has problem acquiring IP licensing (laughs) dollars. It'll be a problem for him. And and then my standard questions uh, to the universe (laughs) that if anyone in Obama's camp wants to answer, I'd love to know how, how, where do the books come from? Mm -hmm. Who gets in front of this? Is he reading New York Times book review? Is he listening to, to Liberty? Uh, Twitter account like where is it coming from <laughs> you know, I love Mich- to know Michelle talks about this a little bit in Becoming like she talks about the reading that she does and how reading has always been a part of her life and that um, recommendations come to and I'm sure it's not a comprehensive list that's in the book but I did like you know my I want to say my ears perked up but I was reading it in print I had that mm. little prickle of like oh she's talking about where her reading recommendations come from and mm-hmm. she's like they come from Barack and they come from her staff members and from good friends like there might be, you know, also publicists trying to slip things to Michelle Obama, but it sounded to me like at least the way she wanted it to come off in the book was I get my reading recommendations the same way any other book lover does. And it's through a bunch of sources, yeah. of, like trusted the people. Ether. Yeah, the ether of undifferentiated recommendations. Um, yeah. And that, like, just decided that weird osmosis that like when you love books and the people around you love books and you share them, like things just sort of make their way into your awareness. And I, it feels to me like that's mm-hmm. what she was saying in the book. Um, I can't imagine like and if you're a publicist and you're listening to this and you know or you have tried oh. like if you've tried to slip a book Birdie somehow us. to Barack or Michelle, like how did you do that? And did it work? Mm hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like the two. I like the two tieredness of this list. There's like my favorite books, and here are my other favorite books. I was like, that's some weird. Well, I so mean, it's. it's <laughs> I, I think it's, it was so interesting. It's like the first one is a recap. Like this is um, books that appeared on earlier lists that he's posted because he does this like a few times a year, and then the second one is things he he liked that he hadn't previously mentioned this year. Like which I took to mean like maybe he read them later in the Wait, year. Wait, so or, becoming. So I guess he read Becoming before this year? Or no, like earlier in the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay. 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 Gotcha. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was funny. It's like, if you made the list, but you're on the other favorites, you'd be like, ah, oh, okay. I, I, I'm thrilled to be here, but could I be in the main, you know, <laughs> could I be in the main channel? This also got me thinking, because I educated again. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, Amanda posted on uh, Instagram that I think I think it was Educated was her favorite book of the year or the second favorite book of the year. Oh. Got me thinking, okay, Educated, I think, book of the year. Just the Oh, book I think of, so. Book that was the, the book of 2018. Besides Becoming, which is its own thing, mm-hmm. but like thing that's a book thing of itself, like it's Educated. But it made me realize the book that did not become the book of the year is The Female Persuasion. Again, I hate to crap <gasps> all over it. Just, yeah, it's no. nowhere. It is it's nowhere. nowhere. It is it nowhere. Is nowhere. Yep. So... You know, the book world is fickle. 2018 I'm, was a surprise in so many ways. <laughs> and yet, not a surprise in a lot of other ways. Yep. So anyway, we'll put a link in the show notes there, or you can, I don't know how you look for things on Facebook. Can, can you search, I try to log into Facebook as infrequently as possible. Same. We'll just put a um, link in the show notes. Yeah, That's don't the safer that way here. to find it. Um, let's do another... Oh, we're out. We don't have any more We don't sponsors. have any more just sponsors us. this just week. Us it's just chucking and jiving. Here we go. Um, again, I guess calendar turning sorts of news. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a story that has long been dormant. And now I think over the coming decades is going to get more and more interesting. Yes. Um, I had a notion to do an annotated episode about public domain stuff. It just didn't come together and I couldn't fight quite the right angle except until after a couple of these things. I saw. I was like, oh, that could have worked. Anyway... For reasons that require a complete annotated episode to describe, this is the first year in a long time that actual works are coming into the public domain. For 20 years, there's been a 20-year moratorium on books, poems, film, you know, things that get protected by copyright. Um, and for this year, we're getting some. Again, there's not a there's not a huge list, but like. There's some Agatha Christie in the public domain now. Murder on the Links, which is a golf one. Some of Willa Cather stuff. Probably the the Jacob's Room, the Prophet. You don't have to pay royalties on your wedding vows anymore, as <laughs> everyone was clearly doing legal and as they should have been this whole time. Public performance should have been paying. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, some E.E. E. Forrest, some Robert Frost. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the Robert Frost, um, I, I think it was, um, oh, the Woods one. Two two roads, diversion of mm-hmm. woods. I took I, that's. Yeah. I can't remember the title of that. The road less traveled. Road less traveled. Thank you very much. Um, that one's in the public domain. Uh, a lot of in- Edna St. Vincent Millay. Uh, some early Hemingway, the mm-hmm. first and only printing of Hemingway's first book. So this is the the tip of the iceberg for Hemingway stuff coming in. Um, it's just fascinating. And but again, it's early twentieth century literature. This is my wheelhouse. Between twenty three and thirty two. There's a lot of stuff you know coming mm-hmm. into the public domain. And the big fish out there, I think it's next year, if I have my math right, is The Great Gatsby. Yep. Which is fascinating to see. Um, it's wild to think that under old copyright law, I read this in a different article. The, the link we'll link to is um, 
one we wrote we read on book right that's book focused but under the pre-98 copyright laws we would have had stuff by now of like 80s music would be in the public domain right now under oh, wow. the old copyright law like early horror movies from the 70s and stuff mm-hmm. would be in, in public domain which i think is fascinating um we haven't seen outside really of mark twain um, major American literary works hit the public domain. I mean, American literature, in a lot of ways, really got cooking in the early 20th century. Um, and, you know, for, we've had English things in the public domain for a long time. Really helped, I think, the reputation of a Jane Austen, of a Shakespeare, of uh, Sherlock, uh, not Sherlock Holmes, but Conan Doyle, right? Sherlock Holmes in the public domain for a billion years. So you have a billion Sherlock adaptations. Sherlock Holmes stays in the ether. You wonder about... Um, the, the, can you, uh, how many people could name a Hemingway character? Oh, I mean, it's hard, right? I'm racking my brain. It's been years. Yeah, it's been so, at least a decade since. Well, I you know Hemingway. why? Because you can't adapt one without paying the Hemingway estate. Whoever right. owns it. You, you, it's not out there. It's not. A, can people name the narrator of great Gatsby? Yeah. They can Nick, name Gatsby. Nick Carraway. Yeah, you can. <laughs> But people, you're not people. <laughs> I'm not people. Fair. That's fair. Rebecca is not people. Uh, show title. Um, <laughs> but because things get in the public domain, these these works can have a life, you know, outside of the the cash, the cold cash cow of Fox Books. No, outside of the copyright domain. Um, so I think it's fascinating to see. As longtime listeners of the show will know, Rebecca and I are very pro uh, shorter. Yes. Copyright. We are. 100 years is enough. Don't you think 95? I mean, Seems like I more think, than enough. I think that is plenty time. And yeah. I've been thinking about this, that like with works coming into the public domain, like anything else, when there are adaptations or reboots or whatever, like I'm, I am ready for... But I think really we'll see it when Gatsby comes into the mm-hmm. public domain, that onslaught of like, but don't ruin it. And so this is my blanket statement on behalf of both of us that adaptations of anything don't actually alter the original thing that you cared about. Nope. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see like the world is, I mean, becomes very different in any 100 year period of time, but Mm -hmm. the world is very different right now than it was a hundred years ago. Like the world is really different now than it was 20 years ago. Bob and I were talking last night about like a piece that I came across on bustle this week that was basically analyzing Seinfeld through the lens of Mm -hmm. 2018, 2019 values. And like I, you can do that. But if you look at anything from 20 years ago through the lens of like the land of me too, especially oh it's all problematic you know like fr- don't try to rewatch friends you know oh no <laughs> like that's it's all unless you're ready to be like this you know when you know better you do better and 20 years ago we were not doing better yet and, and 20 years from now we're gonna be doing better but like i think it'll be really interesting to see what like kinds of takes on hundred year old stories and characters we get through the lens of the modern world. Um, I like the iterative nature of art in that way. Mm-hmm. Like the, that, that, you know, these things, it's, sh- I think art should evolve and um, artists, of course, like writers stand on other writers shoulders and have inspiration and have influences. And to see, I want to like, I want to see what, you know, like 
a black queer version of a, a 100 year old story mm-hmm. that was about white people in Iowa looks like like how do you take a kernel of of something that's 100 years old and bring it into the modern world i think will be really fascinating of this year's crop my money is on seeing the most things done to the profit. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And, and like this, this doesn't even have to do with public domain because I think Penguin must have the current all the current like copyright stuff around mm-hmm. it. But I was joking on the, it, this is just good timing, I guess. I was joking on our staff Slack earlier this week that I was opening book mail. And one of the things that I received was a new hardcover copy of The Prophet um, with an introduction by Rupi Kaur, which is like peak millennial. <laughs> mm. um, so to see how The Prophet is going to be like repackaged um and updated and sort of like shown to a new generation of Mm -hmm. people like you the prophet is twee instagram poetry before that was a thing um that's incredible that's an incredible packaging uh situation also i I have to get this into your brain before i forget it i Mm -hmm. was thinking about this story and for a long time i said the the gatsby adaptation i want is called a beautiful fool and Mm -hmm. it's gatsby from daisy's point of view Uh uh-huh I've got a new winner. Oh, tell me. I want Great Gatsby, but set in the world of hip hop. Oh, yes. Because it's this new money coming up. You mm-hmm. transformed yourself, still feeling like you're not, you know. Like the Kahinde Wiley. Up, <laughs> yeah. But, the, but the, the girl or the guy, you could gender flip it if you want or, or mm-hmm, make it a, mm-hmm. you know, a MM or FF romance, whatever you want to do. I guess it's not technically a romance because, spoiler alert, things don't, don't go so great in Great Gatsby and you have to have an HEA. Anyway, I'm getting into cycles. But... <laughs> I think that hip, modern hip hop is as close to the social world, social climbing, new money, blinged out situation of the Great Gatsby in modern American life um, to anything. So I think that would work. So yes. please, someone make oh. that movie. I will go uh, Netflix it, DVD, and watch it nine months after it comes I'm out. I'm deeply into that. I was um, at the. VMFA, the Virginia Fine Arts Museum, with my folks when they were here visiting over Christmas, and I was standing in front of one of the big Hinde Wiley um, portraits and thinking about like what he has done with bringing mm. like old artistic style into hip hop culture, um, and I think you know basically the Hinde Wileyization of the Great Gatsby would be amazing. Um, also, don't at me about the prophet. I do like the prophet. It was in my wedding vows. So when I say it's twee Instagram poetry, I do that knowing that like I have also partaken. Twee in a good way. Twee, sure. That's mm-hmm. a show title. Twee in a mm-hmm. good way. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Where, let's go. There's a. Uh, we're not going to have time to get to this. I'm running out of steam already. But um, there's a Twitter thread breaking down the best-selling UK books of 2018. A little hard to talk about on the fly as you mm-hmm. have to go through Twitter, but a link in the show notes there. I guess as we're getting to it, I think it is worth looking at Amazon's best-selling I think so. books of 2018. Um, some of the stuff got plenty of public publicity. Some of it didn't. I guess maybe that's the more interesting place to start is what surprised you on this first page of the Amazon okay. bestseller list? Uh, okay, so number one is Michelle Obama's Becoming. Yep. Number two is Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Number three was The Wonky Donkey by Craig Smith, which... Do you I, know how this happened? I, I don't. Know this story. Oh, pl- I was going to say, like, I don't, you know, I don't have kids. I'm not reading a lot of children's books. But usually if there's a kid's book sensation, it makes its way to me. Um, yes. I do not know the story. Please tell me. Well, I, I'm I'm inferring here, but my, my mom was here before Christmas and she, you know, we did Christmas, her Christmas with the mm-hmm. kids and she bought them the wonky donkey, 
which is a, a silly children's book. And it's like each page, you add another thing that's funny about the wonky donkey and it's rhymes and it's, it's kind of puntastic. It's kind of Cute. great. But I think the reason it, got, it started selling is there was a viral YouTube video of this Scottish grandmother reading the wonky donkey to oh. her baby. And she's laughing her, her, her uh, fanny off, <laughs> as they say over there in the British Isles, and can barely get through it. And it is hilarious and surely copyright infringement. But I think it did lead to the wonky, because my mom saw it. Someone forwarded her the video, probably saw it on Facebook, and they collected all her data. And now, whatever, uh-huh. they're, they're showing her donkey ads. <gasps> yeah. um, and, now, and now the wonky donkey okay. is a viral sensation. Because it's from 2010. Yeah, that's it. That's got to be it. Okay. I I was looking at that this morning like why uh let's see three sorry four is fire and fury five is fear by Tr- um by Bob Woodward number six was Mar- the Marlon Bundo book from the John Oliver um show let's see Jordan Peterson don't care Magnolia Table was number eight I'm a little surprised that Magnolia Table wasn't higher because mm. Chip and Joe uh, <laughs> Chip and Joe are doing it did you ever read Capital Gains. Didn't you? No. Didn't you buy like a four ninety nine remaindered copy of it? No, somewhere? I saw it. I thought about it. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> okay. I saw. It. I did not buy it. I, I was like, it. I was going to say, if you uh-huh. read that and I did not receive the highlight reel, I'm gonna no, be I really. Didn't. I didn't read that. Hurt. There's whose boat is this boat? Which is a, a another one of those picture books about Trump from uh, the mm-hmm. staff. That one's from the staff of the Late Show. Let's see. There's a keto cookbook in number twelve. The Five Love Languages was number 14. I think I am impressed by the persistence of the oh. Five Love Languages. Um, it's a, no, people use that People use that in everyday conversation, not knowing what it comes from, I think. It's, it's gotten oh. to the point where it's like, ex, yes. you know, like uh, caramel salt truffles are my love language. It's mm-hmm. kind of like spirit animal. Like, where did that, how did that thing take um, off? Right. But that's like, where this came from. Yeah, but I guess I feel like, are there really people who still need to read the Five Love Languages book? I guess so. Yeah, I don't um, know. Educated was number 17, which given mm-hmm. the bigness of it this year, I'm surprised, I guess, that it wasn't in the top 10. Yeah. Um, there's no fiction in the top 20, Ooh. other if you, unless, like, there's no adult fiction. No. Yeah, Diary until, of a Wimpy Kid, Dog Man, that stuff is up there. Until you get to... Um, Crazy, Crazy Rich, Rich Asian, which is not new. No, and number twenty—that's number twenty-four, and then number twenty-five was the Hate You Give, which was also not new this year. Um, oh my God, where is the newest? I'm looking. Adult fiction. Salt, fat, acid, heat by Samin Nosrat was number thirty-seven. Little fires everywhere is forty-three. That was last year. The president is missing. That was this year, right? The, the, uh, the yes. James Patterson, Bill Clinton that team was up this number year. forty-five. So that wow. So you had to go. It's forty-five books wow. in for new adult fiction. Um, Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. And there's nothing in the, nothing else in the top 50. Wow. Um, well, that tracks, though, Rebecca. I mean, that feels right, though. It does. What was the big adult fiction title of the year? Yeah, there wasn't one. Um, it's just surprising that, like, even without a big adult fiction title, like, we couldn't get adult fiction really into the top, like, Where, where the Crawdads Sing, number 70. Wasn't there a, um, oh, Kristen Hanna, right? The Nightingale. Didn't she yep. have another book nope, this year? No, didn't. Nothing. Nothing. Um, to Kill Incredible. a Mockingbird, number 53. That's one thing that'll strike you if you ever look at one of these lists is the top six or seven are like usually new books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's just backlist and children's. It's incredible. It is. Like if you want to look at what the real 
business model of publishing is it's backlist in children's books. I mean, it really, it really is. Mm-hmm. It really is for all the stuff that you and I read that we talk about that get awards and all this that gets the publication and the reviews in the New York Times review, blah, 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 blah. That, that's not where the, the dollars come. It just don't come from that. List. You know, what's not on this list. Hmm. Oh, the places you'll go. What? <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. Are you sure I, you didn't skip over it? I don't think so. I invite you to continue scrolling, but I yeah, don't... Yeah, it's number 34. Oh, it is. Okay, well then, that reassures me at least about mm-hmm. some predictability in the world. <laughs> right. Death taxes know the places you'll go. <laughs> if you're new to the Book Riot podcast, Oh, the Places You'll Go becomes a bestseller every May um, in the run-up to mm-hmm. Graduation Gifts and then remains one of the best-selling books of the year. And then yeah, it of, sounds like 400,000 copies a year and yeah. all before mid- June 1st, basically. It's oh, a yeah, wild there phenomenon. It there it is. It's right there. At, yeah, 34. Yeah. Lettering and Modern Calligraphy, A Beginner's Guide is number 31. Like, what was going on with that? I don't um, know. I, the Dogman phenomenon, again, I have a seven-year-old that likes to read in my house. So, like, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm close to the blast radius for this thing. Mm. But you look at the, the sales numbers for that series on... The, the first printing of the new one, um, Brawl of the Wild, five million, five million print copies. That's the same guy that does Captain Underpants, right? Yeah, it is. But not the same person that does Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That's Jeff Kinney. This is yeah. Dave Pilkey. Weirdly, kind of, I don't know. It feels like you could put the name in like some sort of generator and get like... <laughs> Children's book writers. Dave Pilkey, Jeff you Kinney, know, you know, Dale Mark Carnegie, Wonky. How to Win Friends and Influence People is 39. And that book is just, I think, never going away. Is that in the public domain yet? That came out like 1934. So we got another 10 mm-hmm. years before that's in the public domain. I guess we also, we skipped over, I think, tellingly, number two, which yes. is Girl, Girl Wash, Wash Your, Your Face, face. Mm-hmm. which I, I wouldn't want to do an annotated episode about it, but I would read the long, I'm sure there's a long profile of this person. Or there- or I, a, I want a profile of this book. Like, what, so how did this book happen? Well, there's a lot of interesting internet shade about this now. Mm-hmm. Like, she... Um, th- and, like, I am not, you know, a member of the evangelical community. Yeah. So what I understand from the outside is that she's kind of positioned herself as, like... It's like a christianity light inspirational stuff for women. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like get your st- like get your stuff together. Wash your face. Like you can do it. Go face the world. Um, and that there are some relatively damning profiles of her and of like the material in the book, or like you know some sort of like deeper reads of the perspective that she's offering. Mm. Um, and I've had some friends who are practicing Christians like sort of sort of read the book and then learn more about her and be like, oh, I take it back. Um, so I think that the book itself maybe is. F- fine i don't know mm. um but but if the source of matters to you, yes if, if right. the author is yes. not dead to you you know you're not right a new like the whatever. yeah the thing that i've been the the pattern that i've been observing among readers is like oh wow now that i know more about her i don't want to touch that um or about where this is coming from um google your way to more inter- more information about rachel hollis and girl wash your face if that's a thing that you're interested in because i'm sure that like a chunk of what i have said is not correct only because i don't know otherwise um and there's a lot more information about it but that's been it's been everywhere it's been everywhere and again every time i'm in costco target you know the big retailers that sell i I look at those as like this is what people are buying i don't know if they're reading the books they buy but this is what regular people who don't consider themselves book people books are like maybe the ninth thing they're most interested in and doing Mm -hmm. their leisure time this they're reading the magnolia table they're reading girl wash your face 
they're uh, picking up becoming. I mean, that's yeah, and that's kind of it. And, sh- and books for their kids. That's what's at Target. And then um, yeah. weird thrillers about girls getting abducted still, but that's a different category. Yeah, you know, oh, Joanna Gaines has two books in the top 25. Sure Homebody is number 22. Yeah. yeah, there's an instant pot book at 26. This is, man, yeah, this is really more than anything else. Amazon's bestsellers of the year are a reminder of the primacy of Backlist yeah. and and children's, but Backlist, 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 like it's it's like ninety percent of book sales in a year are backlist. Well, I I mean it makes sense. There's mm-hmm. just so many. There's books, so many the more of them. Right. There's yeah. so many more of them. They're going to win out, and it makes sense that publishing would want to. They're in the business of IP, so keeping IP and rights is in their best interest. I don't know. You know, it's easy to say, for example, that public being in the public domain is good for Sherlock Holmes. Well, Arthur Conan Doyle is dead, has been for a long time, and no publisher is losing a bunch of revenue because they lost the IP. Right. So, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a proponent of as soon as you put something in the public, it should be everybody's. Somewhere between immediately and 95 years. Yeah. You know, somewhere 20 years, 30 years. I was going to say one generation seems right to me, like in the older sense of yeah. generation, like 30, 35 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I think we, let's call that our show. It's eight o'clock here. We've been going 45 minutes. We did a kind of a nice, we didn't have these 2018 looking back things. We'll, get, we'll carry some of this over to the next week. There's some, you, kind of, you found a couple of interesting news stories that mm-hmm. at this point I do not have the uh, <laughs> neural processing power to do anything like justice to. Let's go have a Sunday. Yeah. Thanks so much, you guys, for listening. Happy New Year. You can find links to this show and all back episodes of the Pod- Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, email us if you want to tell us your favorite book that you read in 2018. It doesn't have to be a new release. We don't care about that. At least I don't. Maybe Rebecca does. She'll no. delete it immediately. No, um, I don't care. Also, uh, if you've got music you like, I want that. Really want that. Resolutions for the resolutions year. Resolutions is the Intentions, last Intentions, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Your word of the year, your adjective of the year, uh, whatever it is you're looking for in the new year. We'll be back with, you know, I feel like publishing's back up. The news cycle's mm-hmm. kicking. Things are coming back online. Next year will be just another week, I think. Yeah. Have a good one.